Last weekend, we heard in the gospel Jesus teaching the Beatitudes, turning the world's values upside down, that it will be the meek, not the powerful, who will inherit the earth, that those who mourn for their sins will be comforted, that those who seek peace instead of war will be called the children of God. But today Jesus gets much more personal. He characterizes those who claim to be his disciples as salt and light. Both are powerful images. Salt has always had a profound role in human life. The English word salary comes from the ancient Roman practice of paying part of a soldier's income in salt. Try to do that today and see what happens. Necessary to maintain life, salt quickly took on religious meanings. Its preservative quality led many ancient peoples to rub down their newborn children with salt to protect them from ill health and from demons. In the Old Testament, salt was used for ritual purification and seen as a symbol of endurance. Salt was almost always mixed with the sacrificial offerings and even put into the incense. Covenants between people were often made by eating bread dipped in salt. A common greeting ritual to this day in many Slavic countries is to have a loaf of bread and a bowl of salt presented to the guest who then takes the bread, dips it in the bowl of salt, and eats it. And in Russia, the proverb commonly used is, eat bread and salt and speak the truth. From Jesus' perspective, every one of his disciples who is in a relationship with him has this quality of salt to preserve and to sanctify life. Then the Lord adds that we are the light of the world. The Jewish crowd and disciples would have been immediately struck by the symbolism. God alone is the sovereign Lord of light and darkness. Psalm 104 verse 2 says that God covers himself with light as with a garment. Light is life. There is no darkness in God. And as Psalm 139 verse 11 tells us, the darkness is not dark to thee, the night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with thee. It is not by accident that in the Gospel of St. John, where we find the famous I am statements in which Jesus reveals he shares fully in the divine nature of his Father, he says in John chapter 8, verse 12, Ego imi fotoso cosmo, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light that is the Father's is also the Son's. And, says Jesus, every one of his disciples who is in a relationship with him has this divine light in him or her. It is a light that he expects us, empowers us, 
to radiate in the world through the quality of our lives and not hide it by covering up with the darkness of sin or the cowardice of silence in the face of evil. But notice that in telling us that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, we are not one or the other, but we are both at the same time. Now, how can that be? In our baptism, in our immersion in Jesus Christ. The same immersion we remind ourselves of every time we enter the church and dip our fingers in the holy water fonts and then make the sign of the cross. We are renewing our baptismal promise. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus described himself in uncompromising terms. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not one way among many ways, not one truth among many truths, but the way, the truth, the life. To know him is to know the Father. We are both salt and light to the extent that we hold to the truth of who Jesus is and his grace dwells within us. Truth, like salt, preserves, flavors, seasons, life. Truth, like light, scatters the darkness that is always attacking the human soul. But being salt and being light does not always make one popular. A friend of mine, a nominal Catholic, told me that he left the church to go join the church of his girlfriend, who he later married. He told me that the congregation was huge, I suspect it was some megachurch. There were all kinds of opportunities to socialize, the music was wonderful, and there was always something going on but he also shared some concerns that he and his wife had about the pastor and the leadership of the congregation, so they were out shopping for another church. And then he asked me, Pete, why do you stay in the Catholic Church? And I told him, you're not going to like my answer. You sure you want to know? You know, because once you tell the truth, the cat's out of the bag. You can't get it back in. I said, it's because it has the fullness of truth. I do not stay a Catholic because I agree with everything the church does. There are things I have always disagreed with. I disagree, for example, with mandatory celibacy for priests. I made this clear when I was in the seminary. I disagreed with it all the time. Jesus asks for it, but he never requires it. It is a discipline, not a dogma of the faith. The church had married priests for the first thousand years and then chose to adopt the discipline of celibacy. And the church is perfectly free to change the discipline if and when it believes it should do so. I asked for the grace to be celibate, and it has been graciously granted to me. But it is quite ridiculous to impose the discipline on those who seek the priesthood. I can and I do disagree with the church in some areas, but 
Disagreement is never a valid reason to leave because in the end, one is confronted with the inescapable, inconvenient truth. Jesus Christ personally established his church on the Apostle Peter as the necessary means of salvation for mankind, as Scripture tells us. Jesus' church, then, is not merely a human institution that I can walk in and walk out whenever I feel like it. Because the Son of the living God personally established it, because he personally sent the Holy Spirit upon the church to guide the church in all truth, it has a divine origin, despite all of its maddening human imperfections. Well, my friends squirm just a little bit, as I think I saw some of you squirm. And pressing on, I said, a man is always free to leave what is false, to pursue what is true. But he disobeys his baptismal grace when he leaves what is true to pursue what is false. And for what? To make someone else happy? For social activities? For nice music? Really? My friend, like many, found the salt of truth to be coarse and rough and the light of truth to be painful because truth always resists our efforts to manipulate it. Truth is always challenging us to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, by the quality of our lives. Being the salt of the earth and the light of the world compels us to do something that we all detest, to acknowledge at all times we are but fallen creatures, utterly dependent upon the grace of God, and to have the humility to acknowledge our failures, go to God for forgiveness, and accept the grace to pick ourselves up and help each other pick ourselves up to continue this messy pilgrimage we call life. We are each salt and light by the grace of our union with Jesus Christ in baptism, called, empowered, expected to season and to enlighten the world with the truth of who Jesus Christ is and all he has done for us.